So I would, while I was on the way over there, I would like wait and see if I could like see a lady by herself, then expose myself to her. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Santagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that, like to, that would like to be a guest on our show, you can reach out to us uh, on our website, OPLshow.com, or send us an email directly at OPLpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you want to join our community of patrons to help support the show, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash OPLshow. You get access to our Discord channel to speak with us and other patrons, and you get to help us donate money each month to a different charity or individual, and you can help us decide where that money goes. So for today's episode, uh, we're going to be speaking with a registered sex offender, a man who reached out to us because he is interested in talking about his past behavior, wrongdoings, but also how he found himself on the road to recovery. So we're looking forward to the conversation. And as always, we have our guest on the line. So thank you so much for being on today. Oh, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So from my understanding, there's a lot of ways that a person can become a registered sex offender. So what is it that you did exactly uh, that, that got you caught and got you registered? And when did it begin? Uh, so my offense was uh, indecent exposure. And that's when you uh, expose yourself, either your, your genitals or any sexual body part uh, with the intent of your own sexual, sexual gratification or the other person's sexual gratification. And I first started doing this when I was around 17. And I've probably done it uh, maybe like 20 times from there. So at 17, like what, what exactly was this first time that you did this sort of thing? Like what was happening? Uh, so I was going to my friend's house and I had to basically walk through an apartment complex and like when I'm walking through, uh, there would be like a lady and like walking through her um, stairwell or whatever or whatnot. So I would, while I was on the way over there, I would like wait and see if I could like see a lady by herself then expose myself to her. Like so, somewhere like secretive, like where nobody else can see me except for her. Huh. And, and what did you get from that? Was it just like a rush that you were able to... Like, yeah, it was uh, some. It was like a, a adrenaline rush. It wasn't that much. Um, like I would, thought anything was gonna happen. Like if anything did happen from it, like I enjoyed it. That was that's just a plus. But it was mainly the adrenaline rush. Was it premeditated? Did you kind of plan on this, or did yeah? It, okay, so it wasn't something spontaneous. No. Okay. What What was the initial reason I, I guess you kind of just said it's just that adrenaline rush um but was it going through your mind at that time like oh well this is actually super illegal and wrong and if i get caught doing this i could get in serious trouble um not i didn't know the first time so i didn't know it was that big of a deal because so you know like with the other uh fences uh, that you could be put on become a sexual register reg uh, sex offender for like, you know, rape, uh, child abuse, child molestation, uh, child porn, and things like that. Those are the main ones that will get, like, the most media coverage and people will try to do their best to stop. But 
not with this one, not with indecent exposure. Even when you like see indecent exposure, like on shows, like like the episode where um, in the Office, where uh, I forgot who got flashed, it was Phyllis. Yeah. Uh, they didn't really make that big of a fuss about it. Or I know in New Girl, there was an episode where they were talking about a flasher and they didn't make that big of a fuss about it. So, yeah, so it's like a guy, like there's a guy in a trench coat or something walking around and, you know. So, right, it's he, like, oh, he's a he's creepy, but like you never really think about like the consequences for him because nobody ever like talks about the consequences for it. So, you're saying that the reason why you thought that it like, or maybe in your mind you were sort of justi- uh, justifying what you were doing was because the way it was portrayed in the media was sort of a silly thing? Yeah, like I didn't think, I never really thought that it really affected somebody that much, like it really hurt anybody that badly. I thought it was a thing that people just blew off and just went on about their day with. So you said you started doing this at 17 and then you did it about 20 times, like over the course of how many years? Oh, a few years, maybe. The last time I did it was back in 2017, 2018. What, um... I guess what made you do it again? Because there's kind of that initial adrenaline rush, but then to make that consistent in your life, it, what was it? Like you just kept getting a rush or did that rush build? Um, I'm also curious, like the reactions that you got from the people that you were flashing, I'm assuming they were women. Yeah, they're all women. Um, and their reaction is always nothing. Like they... Either act like they didn't see it or they just look at you and keep walking. And the reason I kept doing it was I would you get addicted to the feeling of like them seeing you and nothing happening. And also that that adrenaline rush. And I was addicted to porn at that time. So that was really a way for me to that just kept feel, feeling the fire, honestly. And at, at- was there because you said that at 17 you didn't really know that it was illegal but at some point over those years did you eventually find out i could go to jail for this but continue to do it anyway yeah because it's it's not really like you they keep giving you chances like i know what the consequences are going to be and that really wasn't that much of a deterrent honestly so, so what, what are the consequences exactly? Or, or in your mind, what was the worst that could happen? Uh, so after one time, you just, I just was on probation for a misdemeanor. Second time, it's still a misdemeanor, but um, you become a registered sex offender after the second time that you committed. And so after the second time, I didn't do it again. Like after the second time I got caught, that's when I stopped doing it. And so after that point, if you get caught again, you're going to go to prison. Gotcha. So can you tell us about the first time you got caught and then the second time that you got caught? Also, just like logistically, like what were you doing exactly? Like how were you exposing yourself and in what type of settings? So the first time I was in a stairwell at these apartment complex that was I was uh, walking through, um, I flashed this woman. And then maybe five minutes later, I was still sitting on the stairwells. Like I was, I just sat down on the stairwell after I flashed her. 
and like five minutes later, it was it was at nighttime. A cop rolled up and flashed his lights, and I was scared. Um, I told him the truth of what, what happened. Uh, took me to jail and everything. All the legal stuff happened. Uh, the second time, the second time, I was in a home, like a home furniture store. I think cause I was in like a big department home store. Uh, flashed this woman. Um, I left after I flashed her. And this time, somebody took a picture of my license plate. And that's how mm-hmm. I got caught. But I didn't get caught then. I got caught like later on. I got pulled over a ticket and just like a traffic violation. And there, he saw there was a, a warrant out for my arrest. Okay. So, I mean, you know... I don't know. It's just like, but you, you know that it's, it's wrong, but you continue to do it, especially in places like a, a store, even you're not worried yeah. about like a public reaction to this, like people screaming or, you know, I don't know. Like what if this woman, you know, you say that every woman that you've done this to has kind of had no reaction, but you're, you're not thinking at all about if, you know, some woman being horrified and like screaming and causing a scene. Uh, yeah, you are. That is going through your head, but you just believe that you can get away and the reward of, of exposing yourself just overtakes any rational thought you have about getting caught really. And then what's the sexual gratification for you? Is it, does it happen in that moment of adrenaline and your genitals are out or do you like go back and relive the moments or like masturbate to the idea no, I, yeah, you, I don't relive the moments. It's in that very moment. I can't even remember. Only times I can remember are the times I got caught. So those two times, any time other than that, I can like vaguely remember because I used to do it in the same spots. But I, wow. other than that, I don't, I don't even remember the woman's faces. Huh. To be honest. Ha- so. <sighs> Go ahead, John. I, yeah. Why, why do you not remember anything? You just kind of like black out in that moment. Uh, no. So I can't remember. I don't remember the woman's faces because I only see them once. Like I'm not really the the gratification is for them to see me. So I don't really even pay, pay attention to their faces. I really can't, can't explain that part, but I don't remember the woman's face. I can't remember a single woman's face that I've ever exposed myself to. That's interesting. So I'm assuming like logistically for this, like what, how do you prepare? Like, does this happen spontaneously or are you getting up like, or in the past, like getting up and saying, okay, today is a day that I'm going to flash people. I'm going to go to a store. I'm going to wear a certain things. Like, how do you, like, how did you kind of set your day up around that? So you can, so you know how you can groom a person to commit a physical sexual act on them like you can groom a right. teenager or a child or whatever mm-hmm. but you can also groom your environment and the people around you so you could be like I did this when I was dating one of my ex-girlfriends and I would lie to her and say I was going somewhere that somewhere I'll say I was going to the gym or whatever to the grocery store but instead I would go to like the mall or whatever like a clothing store and you would groom your environment, and that's like finding somewhere in the environment that's secluded, finding somewhere in the environment that only has one person, things like that, and to like 
take advantage of. It, it's, a, it's a crime of opportunity. So when opportunity presents itself, you know, that's an opportunity right here. So, you know, just to put all this together and what you were saying before, is the only reason why you don't do this still is because the next time you get caught, you're going to jail? No. So at this point, I've gone through years of counseling, uh, realized uh, why, I did what I, why I did what I did, uh, how it affected the people that I did it to, how it affected my family, how it affected those people's family, how it affected, how it affected my life going forward and everything. And those are the reasons why I don't do it. So, yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? Because, you know, you, you end up getting caught the second time, and now it's uh, not just a misdemeanor. Like, you are a registered sex offender. That's That's life-changing, right? That affects jobs. That affects just everything. Uh, so what changed in you in that moment and what, um, I guess, what type of counseling did you seek? And yeah, I think we're just really curious what you kind of discovered about yourself, because I think a lot of people listening now are just wondering why, like why, why start this? Why, why go through with this for so long and continue doing it? So very curious, you know, what you've, uh, what you've kind of learned about yourself throughout this process. So at first I was in, um, in counseling, and I wasn't really taking it seriously. Um, there were there was one guy in there. We were all in there for because we were sex offenders for counseling and everything. And there was one guy in there that was talking about that he was um, flashed by, by somebody one time, and it really affected him. Like it really traumatized him and stuff. And that was coming from a person that was that's committed a sexual act to somebody that was uh, egregious. And so when he told me that, I was like, wow, that really, what I did wasn't like no big deal. And throughout the entire time for counseling, the point, the reason you're doing it is to figure out why you did what you did and to Mm -hmm. not do it again. That's the biggest thing that you want to figure out. And for me, it was just that younger, I was, I put on this facade of being confident, of having everything together and not having any worries. Um, and it was really a facade. Um, I was comparing myself to everybody around me. Um, I didn't like myself that much. And uh, I really couldn't, I wouldn't say I couldn't get girls, but it was, I couldn't, I wasn't happy with anything. Like I wasn't really okay with projection. And I was angry at myself, at the world. I wasn't really angry at, at women in particular. I was just angry with everything. And with the, the rejection part, when you flash somebody, like if you are trying to get a girl and she rejects you, like you try to go up to a woman at a bar or whatever, and she rejects you, that feels bad. Or I'm not sure anybody else takes it. I can speak for that. But for me, that that could feel bad for some people, and you don't know how to take it. You don't know how to deal with it. But if you go up to, if you just flash somebody, and you know that they're going to reject you, like, like I don't, like I said, I didn't expect anything to come out of when I was flashing anybody. Like I didn't think any woman was going to be like, oh yeah, let's have sex right now. Right, right. So you know that the 
the there's no fear of rejection because you're expecting to be rejected. So I don't have to worry about that part. Okay. That's interesting. And so you you're angry with yourself and everything. And just over the years, I've just through counseling and stuff, I just and by growing up, I've just learned how to accept myself. Um, it's become more confident, become more secure. I've become more caring and honest, and that's just helped a lot. Okay, that's. Uh, I mean, that that's definitely good to hear, and um, you know, I think I think that that makes sense. Is it also just something that is just gives you control and power? Um, I imagine, and I guess, kind of like what you were saying, like there is no rejection but it's also it's just a situation that you're you're just fully in control of yeah so that is another thing so when you with my offense you don't think you have control over somebody because i'm not making them look at me i'm not like it's not a child and i'm a grown person i'm third on the same you think if you think they're on the same level as you but they're not really like they're probably they're scared most likely Mm-hmm. And they see you doing this, so that just gives you a control right there. And uh, the big thing that that uh, did it for me was uh, we had to read this book, and it was called a Victim Empathy Book. It was the, one of the worst books I've read in my life, honestly. Not like it was a good book, but like it was hard to read. Right. It was just uh, about like these little girls being uh, molested by people close to them in their life, like their teachers, uh, family members. And there was a section about when this girl was uh, flashed by somebody and she said how it made her feel and everything. And I was like, wow, that this is like really something serious. And it took me a long time to realize what I did was that serious. And it's, it's still like people around me don't think it's that serious. Like my friends, my family, they know it's serious. Like they know that it's a, a like ridiculous thing to do, but they say like, at least you haven't raped anybody, or at least I didn't watch child porn. But, and that's just like something hard for I me mean, to accept. Like they keep saying that, and, but like, like it's just like hard for me to forget myself. I mean, I I mean, I can speak for myself personally, and I think like a lot of people may feel the same way when this goes out. But I I feel like 17 is a little old to not know that that something like that could be damaging and maybe not knowing the full extent of what that could do to someone. But I mean, you just said it yourself, like you're putting a, a, a woman in a position where they're in fear and that gives you power. So to me, that feels like even if it's maybe a a percentage of subconsciously, but that feels like intent, like you're trying to scare someone or you're trying to, you know, whatever, like you have some sort of understanding that this is not the right thing to do. um, And that it could potentially be harming someone else. Yes, right. I understood. Yeah, I understood that at that at the time that I'm doing it, I understand what I'm trying to do. But the thing is that I don't 
it didn't seem like something that was gonna like stick with him for life. It didn't seem like something that was gonna really be that traumatic. And through kind of reading like the victim empathy book and going through counseling, you kind of began to understand how much of an effect and impact flashing someone could have where before, I guess you didn't think that it could have certain long lasting effects, but then you kind of begin to understand like this could actually be very traumatizing for a person. This would stick with them for life and affect them in a lot of ways, whether it's trust for strangers, going outside relationships, et cetera. Like you just, it seems at first it just seems like something somebody threw off. Like it didn't seem like that it would stick with them for any amount of time. Right. Is, uh, I'm imagining like one of the hardest parts of going through this counseling, like as you kind of begin to understand the impact that your actions did have on others, then you're sort of forced to look inward, like you said. And I would imagine there's a period of shame maybe, and, and kind of looking at yourself differently and feeling regretful for your actions and now understanding you have this label attached to you and you're a registered sex offender. And was that something that you kind of had to go through that I imagine was probably pretty tough to come to terms with? Uh, yeah, I'm still coming to terms with it right now. Honestly. Like it's not easy to forgive myself at all. Right. And I'm curious too, just like that label of registered sex offender, how, how has that affected your life? Just kind of day-to-day life or relationships or, or starting a new relationship with someone, getting a job, like whatever, you know, kind of day-to-day instances. Uh, but, but how has that played a role? Um, luckily it hasn't played that big a role. Um, I, I'm assuming my job knows cause they did a background check on me when they hired me. Um, all, everybody that's close to me knows and they're still close to me. I'm, I'm very lucky in that aspect. I don't, nobody has like left my side or anything. Only thing, it is hard to find housing though. That is, hmm. that's the hardest part. It's hard to what? Find somewhere to live. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because that is something I had heard, but not, don't know, you know, I've never heard it or read it anywhere. Uh, or, you know, even looked for it really. But I had heard that if you move into a neighborhood, you have to, Mm-hmm. The neighbors have to be aware that you are a registered sex offender. Is that true? No. So the way it happens is uh, only people that have to know are the, your like your probation officer, like law enforcement and stuff like that. But your neighbors don't have to know. But um, hmm. so with my offense, I don't have any restrictions, so I can live wherever I want if I can if they I get approved to live there, and um, they send out postcards for you. So. Like I, like a, like in like two block radius of where I live, everybody has a postcard saying that this address is a registered, uh, a registered sex offender lives here. In my address. Uh, oh, oh, okay. So, so your neighbors do. do find out that you. They find out, yeah, but I don't have to tell them. Oh, okay. Yeah. But but they make them aware. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, like as you kind of move forward with your life, if if you kind of. Uh, establish new friendships, uh, a relationship, romantic relationship with someone. Um, how upfront about this, you know, will you be with, with new people in your life? Uh, at this point, I'm pretty upfront about it. Out of every new friend that I've made, uh, they actually already know. Because uh, I'm like, they either like live, like they go to my gym and they know or they like live down the street or whatever. Um, and... 
my girlfriend, she knows. I told her as soon as mm. she started dating and stuff, uh, she's okay with it. Was her reaction immediate, immediately okay with it, or did that take time? Yeah, she was already, she was, as soon as I told her, she was like, I basically had the same discussion that we're having right now. So mm. she was fine. Are you so glad that you got caught? I'm curious. Oh, glad probably isn't the right word. I would say I'm grateful. Okay. okay. I got caught. I'm not happy to be a sex offender. It's been some, it's been a few nights in jail. <laughs> glad about it but fortunate that i got caught glad that i got caught i'm not glad but uh grateful that i got caught grateful that i spent time in counseling and that was counseling honestly i uh, was one of the best like two years of my life however long it took me to finish i learned so much about myself about other people about just going through the world and how i want to live did you um do you think that if you had not gotten caught, you'd have just continued to do this? Yeah. Um, yeah. For, yeah. I don't see why I would, would stop. Somebody, it would have to be like a, somebody would have to convince me to stop. Right. And, and like, just like, in all honesty, I'm curious, is, is there still an urge that you have? Like, do you find yourself out in the world? Like maybe you're in a department store and it's just you and it's, uh, the environment is naturally right for what it, what you would look for in flashing someone like, do you, is there still an urge that you have to fight or does that just not even cross your mind anymore? Uh, it did. It was at first when I didn't go to counseling. So before that, but now you feel like you fully have that under control and there's no, there's no fear that you have that an urge will sort of overtake you and that you might relapse back into that. Correct. And one of the reasons why is because I was addicted to porn and I don't watch porn anymore now. Mm. Um, that was one of the big factors because like if, if I'm flashing somebody, I wanna, I'm not going to flash them without an erection. But like I have to watch some porn to, to get an erection real quick or whatever. So that was one of the the aiding factors to it. Oh wow! So that was like kind of part of the process. Porn was part of the process of ultimately flashing someone. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and I, I mean, I, like I said, you you say that people in your life haven't left your side or anything like that. Um, but you have to assume that you know a bunch of people probably would not probably be the most forgiving for something like this do you have an opinion about these types of people oh not at all they i respect them for their opinion um i don't i would never judge somebody for how they view me for doing something that's so egregious and despicable hmm. so i wouldn't ever be mad at them about that yeah and you know for uh, we I feel like we've been asking this question more and more on the show with, with certain people and certain topics. Um, but why, why speak to us? Is this helpful maybe as part of like your own healing process as well to just kind of talk about this openly knowing that a ton of people are listening? Yeah, that, um, I get to see the, the YouTube comments when she <laughs> posted, um, uh, and get to talk to you guys cause y'all are two people that don't know me and everybody I've told and like I said in the 
the email. I don't know if you guys saw it, but every guy, everybody that I've told has either had to know, like legally had to know, or know me already and know mm-hmm. who I am. So they already have a biased view coming in, viewing me as I tell them. And so when I tell you guys, you guys don't know anything about me, and y'all can form your, y'all's own opinions about me going from there, from like a, a blank slate. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean it's interesting and like yeah I mean that was kind of going to be one of my questions as well because you think that you know someone who is a registered sex offender would do everything to kind of keep that like under wraps so why go out of your way to say this on a platform where my guess is it's not going to be received very well yeah I had that same assumption uh, but. I mean, people on the internet are strangers. Um, I'm doing my very best to be a better man, treat people that I come across every single day with love and respect. And for, I just want to tell people out there that people can change, and I'm doing my very best to change. And legally, like what, you know, I know you mentioned you had a probation officer. How long do you have that? Um, like, is there someone that you have to check into? Or are you actively going to therapy or groups or something like that? Yeah, so I just finished therapy, actually. Um, what is it called? About in February. And um, for, for you to finish it all the way through, you have to complete polygraphs. And mm-hmm. also uh, do month. So I had to go there every week uh, on Thursday mornings. And uh, after you finish like all of the units and everything, after that you get to go one time a month. Okay. And also I'm on probation for five years, and I see her every month. Gotcha. So that's that's interesting. So they really almost treat it like a rehabilitation course, and really, like you said, a polygraph, and try to get data and confirmation that. Uh, you're not basically bullshitting your way through this, but actually <laughs> understanding this is wrong and, and making changes. That's that's interesting and uh, good to hear. And when it comes to the label of registered sex offender, is that for life or is there like an amount of rehab essentially or courses you can do to kind of lose that type? Right. Of- uh, my offense is for 10 years. It's just oh, okay. what state you're in. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I mean, we, we do appreciate the honesty. And, um, like you said, I think that's, uh, we, we can't promise what the YouTube comments are going to be like, but you know, we can appreciate you coming on and, and being honest. And, uh, you know, it's to me, at least it's, it's nice to hear that you want to talk about this and it's essentially you owning it, I would say, and, and understanding that and continuing to, process what that wrongdoing was and how you can be a better person. Uh, I would think that that could be more effective than just trying to completely sweep it under the rug, hide it, uh, and act like it's not part of your life. Um, so, you know, we really do appreciate the honesty and you putting yourself on this platform. Um, like you said, to be judged by strangers, uh, essentially. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. Have a good one.
I want you to imagine quickly, what if we took care of our minds the same way that we take care of our cars or computers or phones or sneakers or any material items that mean a lot to us? On this show, we're big believers that the way we take care of our minds affects how we experience life. For myself, and I know that I can speak for Joe as well, therapy has helped us in so many ways. It helps us better navigate and prepare for the ups and downs uh, of our lives, our careers, and that's why we're always happy to tell you about BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions, so you don't have to even see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Uh, Plus, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash OPL. That's BetterHelp.com slash OPL for 10% off your first month. Man, that is such like a strange, I don't know, that uh, this feels like different than any other episode we've ever done before. Um, yeah, look, completely honest, in the beginning, there was, it felt eerie. It felt it, like, I felt scared. Also, I mean, it almost to me, this is me being completely transparent and forgetting that we're recording the show right now, but... A part of me back there was like, should we even post this? Like, are, are we doing the right thing by giving a platform to this? Because this is uh, like, and I want it to be, and like, I, I, th- I think the answer is yes, because the whole point of this show is to show different sides of humanity and people dealing with different things and this and that. Most of our show up until this point, our guests, we've been like I said, for the most part, sympathetic to, and we've given them a platform and we, and they've vented to us and you know, whatever, but this feels like the show on its head because this is not us trying to like really sympathize or, or like really do anything here. It, it's, it, it's a difficult thing to kind of wrap my mind around. Like it's all like very new to me, like right now as well. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, be like, oh, he's a good guy, and and you know he's like we're not here to make that call. No, you know this isn't. There's I don't have empathy or sympathy or like this was a very wrong and weird and strange and like perverted thing to do for sure. Like I I thank him for being honest, and I truly hope that this that his rehabilitation is working and that he is truly becoming a better person and does not have whatever that was inside of him that I hope for. And I think the idea of people being able to change is, uh, huge. I think that's like worth a discussion, but I think, um, to, to your point before, it makes me think of an episode that we did a while ago that we did not post. And we spoke to a woman, if you remember, whose husband was arrested for child pornography. And she was walking us through the story of like how he got caught and throughout, like, I don't know if she meant this intentionally, but she was almost like downplaying it and like defending him in certain ways. And we felt really strange. Like we felt really turned off by that. And I think we ended that conversation and we said, there's no way 
that were posting that because there was no like accountability behind it. And when, right. what is the point of that? If you're going to try to defend these type of actions, I think despite his cadence and delivery being very straightforward, calm, monotone, yeah. calm, which definitely added this like other layer that almost that like made a dirty thing feel even like dirtier and darker, but listening to his words, I mean, I, I, think I heard full accountability. Like, I think the rehab is going to be important because like he said, he, he doesn't see why he would have stopped if he didn't get caught. But the fact is he got caught and he's going through the motions and going through the steps. And yeah, we're not here to say like, awesome. Like we feel for you. Like, no, dude, like you're getting, like, you're going to pay for your actions. You're a registered sex offender, you know, but like he's, he's being accountable and he wants to own this and and talk about it and I guess just offer that perspective which to be honest when I think of to post this or not like you said that is a big part of the show too is here's a perspective like you're not going to hear how many sex offenders out there are going to be willing to share their story and what their kind of path to rehabilitation looks like I don't think many and I think that that's uh you know, that that's interesting. Just that pure level level of honesty and being willing to uh, share his experiences and learnings. Yeah, I, I do think that. Um, and look, man, like I said, that's why I said it before. Like, I think 17 is too old to not be known that people will be affected by this shit. But if he is telling the truth in that and that he truly didn't know at 17, which is very possible. I tend to feel like that's bullshit but it is possible it's not impossible and if he if he didn't know how it would affect people and he's saying the only reason why he stopped and the reason why he's off of this shit is because he realized how it does affect people and you know what you could how you can like permanently hurt someone by doing something like that if the only reason why he stopped doing it is because he learned about that through books or whatever then I'm okay with posting this because if Mm -hmm. that is true and there is one other person out there that feels like this might be a good idea, but they hear this and then they go, oh, maybe I shouldn't, then it will be worth it for that. And like you said, you made a good point in that this guest is not necessarily defending their actions, more so um, just showing us like, okay, I, I did this thing and it was really bad and I'm, I'm going through the motions and I'm just like, a person who has to deal with this like it's it's unfortunate and it's uh not the fucking coolest thing in the world and it's also not the easiest thing to hear either uh you know on the show but at the end of the day yeah we all are people and when you know we we all are dealt a hand and we make your own bed and you kind of have to deal with it and this is just another person who decided to do some fucked up shit is paying for it now and is allegedly on the road to recovery and never doing it again. So if that's true, then that's, that's great for him. And yeah, I do, I, I do believe that people can change. It's, it's difficult when it comes to things like this because it feels more premeditated and psychological. That's a whole other conversation. And I don't know this guy personally, so it's not my call to make, Yeah, but, um, yeah, definitely. Um, I will say too, to to your point, like the one thing that I don't agree with, and he wasn't saying this himself necessarily, but he, he mentioned how the people around him, and I'm sure these are 
his true like family, friends, loved ones trying to offer support, but saying like, at least it's not child porn, at least it's not rape. Like that's dangerous. That's a slippery slope. You shouldn't be comparing, I think like how extreme this is. Like do not downplay what he did to people and like the trauma that that could cause on people. I'm sure, like I said, if that's family that are in his corner, that probably maybe see how like depressed or shameful he feels kind of as he accepts this. Um, but I just, I don't think that's healthy advice, especially to like give to him, but he, it it didn't seem like he said that he didn't say that as if it was something he believed, but he said that the people around him are kind of feeding that to him, which makes me feel like he's at least aware that that's not helpful necessarily. No, I think that might have been one of the more crazier things I've heard is something like that to try and justify it and saying like, well, at least you didn't murder someone like, like what? Yeah. (laughs) Like we're all not murdering. Like that's not (laughs) something to be like, Patted on the back for, yeah. Um, but yeah, again, uh, yeah. I mean, that's just like a it's it's a it's a tough one, you know. Like you doing the show, you, we're we're not the ones who are supposed to pass judgment here, and we're and I'm desperately trying not to do that. Um, but uh, this is like I said, this is just a this is just a, a tough one. It's just a tough like content to be dealing yeah, with. Yeah, it feels like new territory and it just feels uh you know, again just like his his delivery of the whole thing could almost come across as nonchalant, but I think uh again like the words he was saying, not necessarily how he said it, makes me feel and hope like that his rehabilitation is real and that he truly believes that he can change and that he is changing. We hope um I don't know, but I will say, I do think, I do think talking about it uh, in a public forum and demeaning your own actions is a step in the right direction that I will say. Yeah, I would agree. I would definitely agree. But how big a step? God knows. But one of many, many steps that, uh, yeah, steps he may have to take for the rest of his life. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he does. But yeah, uh, for anyone out there. Uh, that wants to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, you can reach us at oplpodcast at gmail.com or our website, oplshow.com. Yeah, follow us on Instagram at oplpodcast. If you want to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash oplshow to help support the show. And uh, that is all until next week. Yep, that's all. See you guys next time.